I was up early this morning praying, and I heard people reaching out to me, and I could hear them crying to us to help, like help with my son. And no kidding, I got my phone out, and I started taking notes as quick as I could, but it just was overpowering. And so the name of this tonight is Help. My son is in a relationship with a Jezebel. <laughs> help, my son is in a relationship with Jezebel. Help. And you could just feel that this is an epidemic. Do something. He's not like my son anymore. He's not acting right. Something's wrong with him. And so we're going to try to handle it all in one night, get it over with, and just be done forever. So that's my goal tonight. So we can just cure this epidemic in one fell swoop. It was just an unbelievable feeling of how many people are desperate. And you just feel when you go talk to them, this is their one heart's cry. So how many men have fallen to the trap of Jezebel? You know, husbands, sons. And we're talking about men in ministry have written books on, you know, a Jezebel coming in on them. But what I'm mainly talking about is about 30-year-old sons that get involved in this. So there could be some men out there relating to this now that will hear this. And they have had a relationship with Jezebella. <laughs> I was thinking, first of all, we need to just thank the writers of the Bible and those who put this together because how on earth would we know what a Jezebel was if it wasn't for the Bible? You know, they did a very good job to explain so much about this woman and the spirit. Because otherwise it wouldn't be so colorful. It'd just be psychology of the elements of a Jezebel spirit. This is the woman you love to hate. We'll just kind of look into it. Like, what can we do? How can we minister to them? And what do you do when someone's trapped like this? And what is this spirit after? So a little background for it is these are mainly sons of families who love the Lord. Boys of praying moms. They have a heritage and in ministry, it's a heavy entrapment. And so many Christian families with a son, this is where they're stuck with it. And it also can lead, if it's not just sons, it can lead to affairs of men in ministry if you're not understanding what the Jezebel spirit will do. So basically what Jezebel does is the same thing that the other spirits do. Now, I'm not going to go into them. I'm going to just reference them. But I made a chart to make sure that I could separate them out. I may not agree with anyone else, but with the Jezebel spirit, there's also a Delilah spirit. And there's also Potiphar's wife. And she kind of reminds me of Herod's wife. And the Potiphar spirit is more the victim. You know, she plays the victim. But with Jezebel, it's the controlling. But they all three try to seduce. So there are some similarities to it. Jezebel will actually target you where Delilah tends to let the men come to her for all kinds of reasons. So she has the ability to seduce and subdue. Delilah tends to work with men that have pride. Yeah, she kind of enjoys the pride aspect. Potiphar's wife is just an opportunist. She's used to having what she wants. We always make the joke that women of affluence and certain positions that they're hardest to disciple because they're not used to being told no. And Potiphar's wife was just shocked that she got a no. So we're going to go back. These are very different to me than Jezebel, even though some people group them together. You'll be reading about Jezebel, and they'll start quoting Delilah. But Jezebel, in the sense that she targets, she has power. And I would say this song, what's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it when you've got power? She likes weakness. So 
it's not built on anything that is substantial or committed or you know blesses each other with the needs being met jezebel is just completely on a power trip i was thinking about a girl i went to college with and she had a lot of problems i can't tell you how many relationships she'd manipulate and uses everybody in her way. She worked her way up to the top position. Like it ended up with her roommate telling me, Angie, she had an affair with the head person of the law school. And I was thinking power trip. And she goes, no, it was a woman. And that had explained a lot. There's something about her I just didn't even want to be around her. But everybody got up trying to tell me, be nice to her. Why don't you show her the same kind of love and affection you show all your friends? But there's something wrong with her. And it's that lust for power. Just a pure wanting to get to the top and uses everybody in the way. She would go after the power. But with Jezebel, she will try to use your weaknesses to control you. So actually, she likes the weakness aspect because that's how she uses it to manipulate. Uh, She picks up on the weaknesses. She's able to categorize them, know what to do, and she uses them as leverage. The insecurities is just like someone needing bread. She can manipulate your insecurities and work them, and it's the weak on the strong. So even though the seduction is true about other types the jezebel has this aspect that usually it's a very controlling woman with a very weak man so the types of men that she usually goes after are the very weak noodle types or i would say my number four you know we have the one two three four five of different types of men and she goes after number four the emotionally supportive men Like in a marriage, they could have a fairly healthy marriage because they're very emotionally supportive. We've talked about it. We call them our hallmark men. They are very good at taking a relationship and nurturing it. But let me just tell you, when combined with a Jezebel, it makes them a very easy target. Because can you imagine being an emotional support to Jezebel? And yet every single time that you look at this relationship, that's what's going on. What could be used for good is being used for something terrible. It's being manipulated, exploited, and your emotions get hijacked in the midst of this. So that's the type of men. That's the one that usually is a target. The woman, she uses bait every time. Let me just put it mildly. She knows her assets, and she knows how to work them. She's of the opinion that she knows that she's been gifted, and she knows how to use it. What the man does with this is he has the mentality of, well, you got to get what you can get. And she was willing, so why am I at fault? And I would just say a big S is on his forehead. Stupid. (laughs) Yeah. So the control aspect of it, love the power, attracted to the top. Now, we are not talking about strong women. So don't think that every strong woman you meet is a Jezebel. Insecure men think that way. I find very few men that can steward a strong woman. That's not a Jezebel. It's controlling, manipulative for selfish reasons is what makes a Jezebel. And I mean, if you show any strength among Christianity, they all scream Jezebel. If you overpower, like with good results, they scream Jezebel. That is not Jezebel. It's the Spirit of God that makes you strong. So this is totally different. This is a complete controller. So they use Christianity 
basically for their own benefit. That's how you can tell that it's a, a Jezebel spirit. It's their purposes. And don't think that Jezebels aren't in the church. But what gets the combination in trouble or how come a man interacts with the Jezebel spirit is because he starts doing some things that the Bible forbids him from doing. It's just that simple. He gets into some kind of wanting the bait, and he doesn't realize that there's a hook in it. It's called sin. And something starts, either in the thought life or actions, and this is what he's telling himself. I can handle fire without getting burned. Like, how could that be fire? How could that be a problem? And pride cometh before the crash and burn. So anyway, this is how it all gets started. And then the deception steps in because he spiritualizes it. At this point, he becomes so spiritual with his Jezebel relationship. He tells himself, I'm helping her. God's helping me help this poor woman. You know, like she'd go crazy without me. She might kill herself. And so now he's made a spiritual reason to be in a place of disobedience. So the deception starts really small, but it grows immensely. And the S gets bigger on the forehead. (laughs) So I'm going to give you some things that your mother probably tried to teach you as a young child. And that's Proverbs. Proverbs would cure this. Like Proverbs is the easiest answer. And I'm going to just let you write these down. But Proverbs 5, 3 through 23. I'm inviting you to read this. This is a man-to-man warning. So you want a man speaking into your life? It's right here, Proverbs 5. A man is warning you, don't do this. Proverbs 6, 23 through 35, a good parent is telling you, don't do this. They're warning you. Proverbs 7, 4 through 27, the scripture is warning you. A youth seduced runs your youth. Like, you want to throw your childhood away? Do this. Proverbs 9, 13 through 18. This one's fun. Lady Wisdom calls out, and she has a rival. And her rival is the silly woman who calls out in the streets. It's very unique to see this. So we have 20 verses in the first one, 11 verses, 23 verses, and 5 verses. They're all for you to read every morning. Remember why Proverbs is wonderful? There's one proverb for every day of the month and it says if you read them you get wiser the w replaces the s on your head (laughs) people go you are such a wise young man who taught you this it's your proverbs a day remember it says it's like medicine to you so proverbs is a teacher to you it gives you wisdom it's amazing to think that the ancient writers inspired by the holy spirit can give you wisdom for the problem of the little chick on the street so this is what proverbs is made for for young men i would tell young men you have to read proverbs and then It moves into how Jezebel makes her first moves. Now, we talked about last week or a few weeks ago about how a man is supposed to make his moves and how hard you work up to the yawning, stretching, getting your arm for the first time around someone, the hand-holding. A man, he remembers how hard it is to go from just acting nonchalant, such a great French word, to say that he actually begins to make his moves. Now, Jezebel... She makes her move. She spots her man. She starts in after him. She goes after the guy that has false obligation. 
she gets him in this trap of he's the one that'll say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you listen to him, he's constantly apologizing. She has him over a barrel. Feel sorry. He wants to help her. And this is where it starts. Now, I'm going to read you a little bit about that Proverbs guy. It's called the naive boy. Wisdom calls in the street. So the first thing that happens to you when you get around to Jezebel, this is the only free pass I'm giving you tonight. This is the card that I'm giving you that is the least invasive on you men. It's just ignorance. And notice it, verse 12, she lurks around the streets, the square. She's ever corner. You know what that means? Just because she pops up everywhere you're going doesn't mean it's God. (laughs) Don't take it as a sign. She's planning it. She knows where you are. But most young men fall for that. They think it's so shocking to think that just everywhere I am, she just shows up. You know, this is that woman. When they are looking for you, they are everywhere. Verse 13, she's saucy. She seizes him. She grabs him. This is Jezebel. This is how she makes her moves, and she kisses him. Now the action has begun. He's flattered. Verse 14, listen to her words, though. This is what's shocking. I've been to church. That's what's amazing. She's basically saying, she says, I've done my duty. Apparently, worship meant very little to her spiritually. This is the after-church sins. She's telling him, I've already gone and given my sacrifices. I've already gone and paid my dues. I've already done the religious thing. Now, come on, let's go have some fun. At any rate, she's telling him that she's been to church or synagogue or, you know, to worship is all part of her game of winning him as a customer. That's what she's up to. So she takes part. She's done her duty that she's been to worship. Verse 15, I have looked for you everywhere. Only a fool would believe that she was interested in him and only looking for him. But remember, stupid. 16 through 21, she seduces him with, I have everything ready. We won't get caught. Think of it. We will have our fill of love. She disarms him with reassurance. Everyone is conveniently gone. My parents are gone. No one's at the house. You know, it would take someone with wisdom and integrity of Joseph to resist such an appeal. But notice verse 23. This is the one that kind of sets the tone for what Jezebel does. Verse 22 through 23. What he doesn't know is that he is an ox led to slaughter, a calf led to slaughter, a bird in a trap. He doesn't know it's going to cost him his life. Jezebel's putting it in modern English. I'm having roast beef, and it's you. (laughs) You know, if any of you have animals, there's a reason why you feed them well. There's a reason why you make their life comfortable. (laughs) Why do you do that to an animal? It's an ox led to slaughter. You know, you hear a rancher and they tell you why they give certain calves extra protein, extra things to make him grow larger. Let me just tell you, she is giving you these things because you are being led somewhere. (laughs) So verse 24 through 25, listen to me. Don't let your heart be stolen, nor your feet follow her home. So let's just say your heart and your feet need guards on them. We have ankle chains available. They're in the room. It's a guarding of both heart and feet in this dilemma. Verse 26, she has a list. 
and it's not the broken heart list. Don't kid yourself. She didn't have a list of all the hearts she broke, like Bluebeard breaking all the hearts. You know, you hear these stories. It's not that. She didn't have a list of broken hearts. She has a list of broken lives. She has a trail of this. It's not goodness and mercy that follows her. She has been the death of many. Dead men's bones lie in her backyard. If this is not colorful enough already, I told you you're going to love Proverbs. Verse 27. I'm just giving you a little taste. Her house, listen to this. What is her address? I mean, where does Proverbs tell you that she lives? Her house is on the way to hell. And every step is a step down towards death. Mm. May God add his richest blessings to the reading of Scripture. We should have stood for this one. Guys, where are you on Jezebel's steps? <laughs> you may be at the top and you are just in ignorance. But there is a step down. You must write this. A man's life is not destroyed in an instant, but gradually step by step. Mm. So, love's not what's motivating, it's power. And what's odd about this, this is what gets her in trouble. She wants power, and she doesn't care what source she gets it from. That's why she's been in church. She doesn't care the source. It's God or the enemy. Either one gives her power. And by capturing you, there's a certain amount of power that comes with it. You know, I hate to tell this story, but I must. Everybody's told about the revival that happened in Central Texas. And they have a lot to say about it. And, and it's written up in books and lots of prophecies. And everybody tells about that great night of revival. It was actually started by a crossliner. And she gets up on stage, and we have a Mr., and he's famous, and he helps you to experience God. He helps you to have the deep things of God. But he wasn't really prepared for this particular one that gets up on stage. She gets up there, she has a confession list, she's going down. This is what was the dead ringer. This is what, I mean, it's made this written up in every revival book in the country. It's because she confessed that she knew that when she wore clothes that were a little revealing, or because of the clothes that she wore, it gave her power. Because it gives me power over men. <laughs> and she said, I enjoy the power. And I just wanted to confess it. The men were stunned. They couldn't believe it. They had never heard such things. They were shocked at such an admission. They were so vulnerable. She had been so vulnerable up there telling her heartfelt secret that she did it on purpose. They thought it was an accident. They thought it was because they were so good looking. They thought the little flash, you know, the little lack of something in special areas. They, men, they thought it was because they were special. The S stands for <laughs> stupid. You're not special. <laughs> She had told her S secret. <laughs> she did it on purpose. And she was the leading in the Bible department. She was beautiful. She was sweet. And she admitted such a thing. I'm telling you, at that point, the audience was stunned. I was appalled. I was thinking about my discipleship. Here she is with the mic, and she has done such a good job. After this everybody being stunned kind of wears off, then what happens is everyone else has to get up and confess their sins. 
So the altar became full of all the men confessing that it had worked. And that... <laughs> <laughs> and so truly, as the men write this up, this was revival. And it happened right over here in chapel. And I bore witness with my own eyes. And that's what happened. And so now I know that according to their definition of revival, we have it every week at Crosslines. I've even had lawyers tell me, why do you let these kids confess? It's lawsuits. Just hold them back. <laughs> Women don't go to jail for this. Men do. Jezebel. So, Proverbs 6, you do something so that your life is wrecked. That's the goal. Something happens so that you wreck your life. You get off the path, and you never get into the flow of God. You lose that time with the Lord. Let me just say that it's not good looks, it's vanity. In 2 Kings 9 through 30, this Jezebel lady is old. She knows they're coming for her. But guess what she does? Even for her death... She painted her eyelids and fixed her hair and sat in the window. I was reading about a Hollywood star, and before she ended it all, she got her hair done, she put on her best lingerie, she fixed her face, and she laid there because she wanted to be found in her most regal position. They said she's like a queen. And so this is what we're dealing with. It is a complete captivation of self. When we've talked about self being a problem, this is it. It's forever embedded. So just like Jezebel is forever famous, so is my sweet darling who got up there and decided to publicly tell. <laughs> All right. So Jezebel at this point has somewhere she's trying to drag you. I think you heard it in Proverbs. But in Revelations 2, 20 through 22, it says that Jezebel has a bed. And she is moving you towards it. Because that is when the mixture, the soul tie witchcraft, it all mixes together. And you have S across your head. You don't realize something's going on up here. You're not thinking. Remember I said your emotions. You are not thinking. You have completely quit thinking as she leads you here. The guy knows it's wrong. He knows he needs to get out of it. But this is what happens. They get caught up in this. And as it begins to take a toll on their life, it begins to be a habit. You look at it, remember it's step by step by step by step. That knowing that you need to get out of it, at the same time, they're thinking about marrying her. And that is what is the most shocking of all this. You can know that it's not right. You can know there's something really wrong with her. You can know she doesn't remind you of your mother. <laughs> you can know that there's a reason why your sister can't stand her. You can know why everyone hates her, but there's still something in it where you know that she's doing you in. You know that everything she's doing to you is to trap you, but you still at the same time will make a case with me and tell me I'm going to marry her. That's a dilemma. I mean, you've changed from having two emotions of I must get away, like I'm being led to slaughter, but at the same time, you're thinking about putting a ring on it. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times we've sat down and we start making that crack or making that split with the person between this Jezebel and themselves because that's what's happened. That's how come it merges is right here that the bait has taken effect. But within sentences of each other, they will tell you that they knew that she was wrong and at the same time, they're going to marry her. Every one of them. I don't know what it is, but both thoughts make sense to them. Both thoughts are completely a part of what they think is the smartest S thing for them to do. 
So then we're moving into what takes place after this being invited to the bed, where it talks about the immorality, the sexual part of it, that next is Jezebel's sorceries. What's inside of her is more than just a person. She's got some evil going on in there. And, you know, you can read in the Bible at different places, and it says because of Jezebel and her witchcrafts. That's what got this going so wrong. And so in 2 Kings 9, verse 22, I'm just giving you different scriptures to look up. But there's a combination. It's her selfishness has a little bit of extra power to it. Like she doesn't mind that she has some spirits that help her be more seductive. She doesn't mind that there's actually something that tells her where you're going to be so she can be there and show up. There's some soul power there. I knew a girl and she had just gotten married and she was telling me that some people that she had soul ties with would show up everywhere she went and she's newly married. And she said it really was scaring her that she had past histories that weren't broken and it was coming in on her in the first few months of the marriage. And she told me, help me with this. So it begins to be that weird soulish power which ends up being into the witchy part. So it has gone from the bait now to the rebellion. It's moved from ignorance to rebellion. And witchcraft brings one thing out in you, rebellion. That's why in 1 Samuel 15 it says that witchcraft is the same as rebellion. It brings that out inside of you that you didn't even know it. And don't sit there and say, well, I'm quiet, nice, and good. The compliant people have the most rebellion a lot of times. The little overt ones, they get it worked out. But many times, it's your compliant one that is dealing with a lot of rebellion. And where I've made my biggest mistakes is I've had people with strong testimonies where they've come out of stuff like this, but I didn't know to take them through the steps that we're going to tell you at the end. And eventually, they got caught a second time. Eventually, it worked out. I started making a list because these are people I deeply care about, very nice people and people very high up in ministry. So this has to have it dealt with because it doesn't go away just because it's in your past. I don't care how many years back there it is, it has to be dealt with. So the rebellion is being attracted to evil, being attracted to the dark side. You've got to repent. It's like I don't know why some people are there like, I'm just attracted to the dark stuff. And some people literally have come to Jesus, but they still are telling us, I'm attracted to what's dark. And that's because it hasn't broken off. So this is where the bizarre stuff starts happening, and you can't get it to stop because it's not in your control. Remember, you've reached out to another power source, and he's more than willing to oblige you because he has one thing to do to your life. He wants to steal and to kill and really make it twisted to destroy you. That's why, as humans, I'm not trying to give you a rough list. I'm just telling you there is a power source that is very dark and very evil, and it's more evil than you can even imagine. At this point, when you've dealt with the sorceries, you're going to start what we're going to call starting the dive for the bottom because it's going to move pretty fast now. And this is where they start twisting your words. It's in the communication department. You remember all that flawless communication you were having in the beginning where we're singing the same love song? At this point, your words are being twisted. You find yourself fighting. You find yourself arguing a lot. You find yourself as being misquoted. All right, so the twisting and the communication 
you're constantly going, but you said this and the other person's saying, I never said that. And it's the beginning. It's that alligator roll that takes you down to the bottom. And you've got to watch here because this is where it starts hitting. And you realize now that you're trapped in the jaws. You're in the clutches. And you think, oh, it's all my fault. And if you're Delilah with Samson at this point, you're handed over to the torturers. You're handed to someone else if you're in Delilah's hand. But if you're in Jezebel's hand, oh, she's the punishment herself. (laughs) When a woman causes the downfall of a man, the wisdom of the relationship has been perverted. What's happened is his Christianity is being used against him. He's nice, and so she exploits that. She knows that he's nice. That's why she got him. So she starts saying, you hurt me, or when you said this, you hurt me, and you're not taking your responsibility, and it begins the power and the victim thing. She uses what makes him good against him, and all he keeps saying is, but I'm a good man. How could this happen to me? Remember? S. (laughs) This is how it happens. You weren't reading Proverbs. You didn't take your daily dose of medicine of your Proverbs once a day. And so it starts out that she twists every situation She makes herself the victim and you the wrongdoer. That's how it's going to go down every time. Twist every situation. And you can only apologize for so many of them. But then you just get to where you just say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You don't even try because you can't win in this situation. And so you're the wrongdoer. He said something wrong. He twisting it. He did something accusing blame. And it starts this. This is not a lesson against men that are out there that are bad, they're doing all these things, and we could tell the opposite story. But right now, I'm just trying to undumb Christian men. Just really, it's the undumbing. Because a lot of it is we've done that feminism thing where we demasculinize men. That's what she's taking it to. She's like, uh, it's little boys. What do you do to little boys? Little boys are going to grow up into this thing called men. (laughs) But what do we do? We can't control them. Let's put them on Ritalin. Let's make them sit in their chair. Let's make all the schooling just be completely opposite than how a guy learns. And we've done something to our society where we've made city boys. Then it becomes stupid. Yeah, they get the stupid. And then what you'll find at this point is you realize I'm miserable. I'm miserable. But you still have the idea I'm going to marry her. I mean, just because you're totally miserable and you feel like death warmed over as leftovers, that doesn't mean you're not planning on marrying her. You're just miserable like you've never been. You're compromised. And they probably have gotten you to do something you're ashamed of that you regret. So when you have a strong controller of manipulator around you, a slander in there, this is where the strength of a real woman helps you because she'll tell you the truth and you won't like it. This one is smooth words. And they're honey in the mouth and they're bitter to the stomach. What an abuser does, they stomp down any strength around them to maintain their position on the top. So in healthy relationships, genders have strength to them. There's strength in the role of men and women, children and adults. There's strength in them. Roles done right bring strength. Working out your strength. Someone doing their responsibilities. But even though... You look at what's happening here with the Jezebel. You're going to say in Genesis, a woman was made to give support to a man and to help bring out his best. Jezebel's not a good helper. (laughs) I'm just saying you can know it's not healthy. So Jezebel has become the pursuer, goes for the top, and the guy is no longer the one pursuing. He is 
in a cage. He cannot be a pursuer. He has found the door, and he's found the food inside, and he's partaking of that. And she comes when she wants. Jezebel doesn't let you out of her sight. Not really. I remember the guy that sat right here on the edge of this couch, and he said, I slept with a woman who was a witch seven years ago, and I haven't been able to get her out of my mind since. Like every thought, I can't quit thinking about her. It's tormenting my mind. He said, I'll have another woman over and she'll be three hours from here, but she shows up on my porch. She can feel anything that I'm doing. He said, my mind is so tormented. I said, let me see her picture. So he showed her to me and I was like, that looks like the girl next door. Boy, witches don't look the same anymore. Like they don't have those warts on the nose or anything that you think in the nursery rhyme books. I'm like, what's going on? But he became completely possessed in his mind, completely tormented. I've never seen such deep lines in a man's forehead. His thoughts were irrational. I would not have wanted to meet him on an alley. We told you about that man. His mother did something that seemed like something you read about in the Bible. People don't do this anymore. But she got up and she fell at my feet and she started begging me. Please help. Please help. You don't have in a Western society for a woman to get at your feet and cry like you read about in the Bible. Please help my son. Now, he's sitting there, and she's prostrate in front of me, begging for help for him. We put her back up in the chair, and all of a sudden, Steph and I literally call upon the name of our God like Elijah, and truly power fell from heaven. I have never felt it like this. And when we used the powerful name of Jesus, power hit the guy. And literally, he went from seven years of torment to being in his right mind. When the power of God hit him, he was completely well. Like he couldn't even believe it. His mind couldn't even catch up with what had happened when the power of the Lord hit him. He was free. And then something happened to me. And I told Steph, did it happen to you? What happened to me? I said, when he came in here, the guy was scary and he wasn't handsome. He was ugly. But when the power of God hit him and I looked at him, how did I know he was free? He was handsome. <laughs> he was beautiful. I didn't know that those worry lines of Jezebel makes you ugly. I was like, for seven years, his ugliest. I thought we can put out a sun. We have beauty treatments inside. <laughs> I could not believe the difference in his countenance. Like the glory of God had hit him. That's why it says that it shows on your face. It was an immediate witness to me like, he's beautiful. <laughs> Woman, you have your son back. <laughs> and that's what I felt calling me today was do something. He's not like my son anymore. He's not acting right. Something's wrong with him. Because she possesses him. She not only possesses him and won't let him out of her sight, she possesses his mind. I don't know if this means anything to you, and I can't find anything to contradict it, but Ahab seemed to only marry once, when almost all the kings had many wives. Jezebel, she just dominates. She doesn't like other women around. <laughs> she doesn't like competition. <laughs> you know, your son has a Jezebel guarding them. They're very territorial. You know, the guy tells himself, I'm trying to do the right thing. No, he's not. He's trying to crawl out of the cage. False obligation. Now, she will break up. Now, that'll confuse you because you'll think, well, she won't break up with me. Oh, yes, she's going to break up with you many times. But she'll break up with you at the wrong time. 
Like right before something very important happens, like you're going to have something that you're supposed to do, Jesse will feel it. And she doesn't want something else having power over you, and she'll break up with you. To send you in an alligator spin to see if you can still do what you have to do. You may be finishing your law school exam. I don't care what it is you're going to do. She'll break up with you right before something important. But she's not breaking up with you to leave you. (laughs) The only exception, she will break up with you to leave you if she finds someone with more power than she will. But other than that, my point is you're usually stuck with her. Like it's called the manipulation breakup, to be repeated again. But it's manipulative. The breakups are not real breakups. They're only to get you more entrapped with them. Because the power behind Jezebel is divisive. And it will separate you from everyone who loves you. You haven't even noticed that you're separated from your mother because men don't think about their mother when they're with Jezebel. They don't think about their family. They've forgotten their family. But it's very apparent to your family that it's been divided out. That's what she does. You owe some apologies here. And then you go into a thing of Jezebel has children. That's a lesson in itself if you study Jezebel's children. One night I never went to bed looking at Jezebel's children. My mind, I had to think about Jezebel's children. (laughs) I was up studying in the dark. If you'd walked in my house like some of you tell, I've come up and I've seen you sitting there in the dark typing. Yes. Jezebel, I was studying her children. I'm not ready to even do this one yet. I'm just having you walking down an alley. This is how it happens. You weren't reading Proverbs. You didn't take your daily dose of medicine. But you're going to have a child with Jezebel? You're going to say she's the mother of your children? You're going to mix DNA and create another living being that's half hell and half stupid? I mean... My gosh, you've got to think what you're doing. You do need me at this point in your life. A friend of mine, he's let me tell this part, but he was saying that, you know, they, thank goodness they don't have children. They were fighting over his guns. And he was telling about how difficult it was to get the guns away from her. And of course, where is the only place, safe place he could take his guns? To his parents' house, under the bed. They're safe at the parents' house. But I'm making the analogy, if it's not working with your guns, which is your favorite possession right now, your prized possession as a Texas man, I get it. Don't do children with her because you can't put your children under your parents' bed. So just try it on your possessions before you go into your posterity, you know, offspring, you know. So, men, watch it. Jezebel's work with weak men or make the men they're working with weak. It doesn't always start that way. Sometimes it's just a one area, and it ends up weak. And we were talking about this man that we've been helping quite a bit in his situation. But because he's a young Christian, he doesn't trust himself. He's very powerful in the business world. But when it comes to Christianity, he's a baby. And he's been trapped. So she's used it against him. She used a soulish prophecy against him. She's used different things to make him feel like he's not worthy. He starts feeling like he doesn't know what he's doing. And she always plays the spiritual upper hand over him. There's another guy. He's a very likable Christian man. But he's become a liar. A liar. Like he's the nicest Christian guy you would ever meet. Handsome, nice man. But she calls and she puts him on the phone and she makes him lie. He has to say to us, I'm treating her bad. What on earth is going on? Because I was like, 
this is not the truth. But what I couldn't make make sense is why would he be such a liar when he's such a great guy? Do you know why he was treating her bad? She turns into a bizarre case. She has their whole family hostage. She's divisive. She's broke up everything. He has the good character, so she uses it. Here, you tell them. You're treating me bad. Everyone's treating me bad. You know what I think's taking place? He doesn't know the truth anymore. He gained just a little bit of strength when all those women were there and saying, look, woman, you're crazy. <laughs> like, you can't believe it could get that bizarre. Well-known in circles all over, but can't manage this spirit. All of us there, he barely could step out. False obligations. He's telling himself, husbands, love your wife. It's the ethics of this. There is a spirit of religion that the devil peddles. So it would be another lesson. It's another podcast you can listen to that I did, that God will hold you accountable if you allow yourself to be controlled by anyone. Everybody wants to blame the Jezebel. I'm not blaming the Jezebel. I'm blaming you. You're the one with the heritage. You're the one that read Proverbs growing up. You're the one. You've got to show strength. We're in times of showing strength. We're not even in a time where we're at that heart of spiritual warfare and we're already failing. What are we going to do when it's tough? So that's where I'm saying It's you. I'm going to park it right here and say it's you if you allow yourself to be controlled. God will hold you responsible. If you remember, Elijah came and he rebuked Ahab and held him responsible for what Jezebel did. If you marry it, you're responsible for everything she pulls. This does not give you a free ticket. Ahab is an evil king. Because he allowed Jezebel to do her thing, to do her stuff. It makes you evil. So if you're not ready to sign off on Judgment Day and your legacy of being considered evil, oh, we're past stupid now. Evil. Just keep on letting this person use you. She makes all the decisions, and what she does is she uses the people around her. Case in point. This would be, what did they say in the trial? Exhibit A. (laughs) In court is the vineyard. 1 Kings 21. It's a doozy. Jezebel gives you what you want. Don't kid yourself. You're getting something from Jezebel or you wouldn't be staying there. She throws you some bones. Just enough to keep you hanging on. She doesn't have normal restraints. Read the story. How she set it up. How she was willing to get the vineyard. She has never listened to what my dad taught me of the wisest decision to win in a relationship. You are never going to win an argument with Jezebel. She will find a way to get you. And so what happens is it becomes the I wills of self. In 1 Kings 21.7, she says her I wills. You remember how Satan became Satan? He went from being Lucifer to Satan with his five I wills, I will, I will, I will. The I wills apart from God. And that's when Jesus said, your father is the devil. And anybody that starts the I wills game becomes a miniature Satan. I'm seeing it's like they become small Satans. And this is what Jezebel says here in verse 7. I will give you the vineyard. 
So, number four on the I wills. You think of Jezebel as rejecting Christianity or rejecting the faith. You think of Jezebel here as rejecting the great heritage that this king had from the faith of the fathers of his faith. And so you think, oh, Jezebel rejected it. No. She uses it for her purposes. 1 Kings 21, verse 10. Look at verse 10. This is the key verse of the vineyard. She studies your religion to know how to use it against you. And that is what is happening on Facebook. That is what's happening everywhere. Everyone who is not walking with the Lord is telling me how my religion is telling me not to do what I'm doing or they're trying to instruct me. They don't even have an ounce of it in them. They don't walk in any kind of strength or authority, but they constantly tell you what your religion tells you you can and you can't do. This is what Jezebel does. She understood the religion enough to use it against him. And notice, she figured out how I get this vineyard is I set the guy up that owns the vineyard. We'll just tell everyone he blasphemed his God. Then we get, remember the religion says, get two or three witnesses. Let's gather a few witnesses up. Like she cares whether he blasphemed the God. It's a setup. If you share your Christianity with you, she will grab it with them. She will grab the sword out of your hand and stick you with it because she has made a practice of using religion, using people, and using even God to work her selfishness. To be, it's the ultimate in using. And God won't put up with it. And what happens is you become the sacrifice. Mom, Mrs. Mom, who's calling me, your precious son is the sacrifice now. She makes all the decisions, including the decisions that you are the sacrifice. You become the sacrifice. And think what Ahab sacrificed. He sacrificed the kingdom, his entire kingdom. He just sacrificed his place in the biblical records. He just sacrificed all the people that he led, and he sacrificed himself. He sacrificed his children. That's what Jezebel wants, everything. And you think God asks a lot for you, and you hand it all over to Jezebel. She won't stop till she's proved your loyalty to her with everything in your life you have to destroy in front of her. Everything you've got to prove to her that you're most loyal to the Jezebel spirit. She won't stop at anything less. So it all goes down right here. This is the sacrifice. Jezebel's dominion controlled. And it controlled two men. Do you know who it controlled? There were many men subservient to her, weren't there? Jezebel had many men. She had prophets and priests and eunuchs. But who were the two men? that she controlled. Who? First one. Who's the second? Elijah. She controlled the man who was weak and didn't know his authority, and she controlled a man who had called fire down from heaven. That spirit hit him, and he ran. He forfeited his ministry. He quit. He told God, replace me. I want to die. God fed him. He was alone in a cave. (laughs) He was despondent. He was depressed. That cave that you're in, many times it's when you've got a spirit after you. I had a lady, I called her, and she told me, Angie, that fuzz, it hit my brain. Like I can't think. 
I can't do the work that you gave me to do. I think I'm offended with you, and I don't even know why. Everything's turning with me. My back starts hurting. I'm like, it's that spirit. (laughs) Elijah was done, and Elijah was the one, and it was not Elijah that was able to do this, but Elisha was the one who commanded her demise, not Elijah. He literally got under the feet of her, and there will never be one day of peace with Jezebel. And in 2 Kings 9, 21 through 22, you must read this. Steph, would you look it up? Come up here and read it. But it is hilarious. They just say what a typical Israeli would say to another. One Israelite would say to another, Shalom, peace. Sound as much like me as you can. Then Joram said, get ready. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Then Joram said, get ready. And they made his chariot ready. Joram, king of Israel, and Azahiah, king of Judah, went out, each in his chariot. And they went out to meet Jehu and found him in the property of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Guy with the vineyard. When Joram saw Jehu, he said, Is it peace, Jehu? And he answered, What peace, so long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcrafts are so many? (laughs) And that's what I have to say. What peace will you have with Jezebel? So to death do you part. (laughs) Jezebel won't leave you. She will stay with you for life. She is a parasite. She is using your authority, Ahab. She wants your kingship. She likes your ring and your credit card. She needs your authority and power. It's the lifeblood in the tick. (laughs) It's what makes her live. So Ahab died. Usually Ahab dies long before Jezebel. And it can be the most horrible thing you can imagine. I started to name you some, but I didn't want to depress you at the end of the Bible study. You can't imagine how the Ahabs can die. Some of them try to get back at the Jezebel right at the end and try to make her hurt. I have a gruesome story I'll tell you sometime late at night. But Jezebel's death, they do a lot of damage, and it goes down the generational line. So how do you get free? Let's give you the first step. S. It's very simple to get free. How do you get yourself out? Well, you can't unless you want out. People who love you can want you out, but that doesn't get you out. So if you had one of these in your past, or if you've done any of this, the damage doesn't go away. These things must be faced head on. And we really didn't know what to do. We just thought when someone quit doing it, that was enough. Like, hallelujah, you're free. Give your testimony. Great. But it doesn't go away until you do what Steph did. We were discipling the girl who came out of witchcraft, the one that first tried to kill us with the gun, then the knife, that one. And Steph told her, you've got to renounce Eric. I can't. I love him. I can't renounce him. It would be that night she'd come with the knife for Steph. And the reason why was not only soulish attraction, but she had one of those extreme things going on where he was her dominant. They were in all that crazy, perverted BDSM. They were in all that kind of thing, and he truly was her dominant. And if ever somebody had to be renounced, it's your dominant. Jezebel has been your dominant. You have to renounce her. You've got to break that agreement. Every place that you made an agreement, you've got to break it. You've got to break your agreements. You've agreed on the wrong thing. And so everything that's witchy and evil and 
all that stuff, it pulls you down the steps. You can't pull them up the steps, what? It only goes down. Renounce, 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 renounce. You say, well, my gosh, I did it three times. How many times did you make agreements? It may take you three months of renouncing. You want it over in three renouncings when you sat there and without caring what God said or answering it with scriptures or doing anything, you just made agreements. Then you break the soul tie. There's so much selfishness out there. It's causing so many of these type relationships, and it's on both sides. There's selfishness in both. So the soul ties. Eventually, you know that something's wrong in the relationship. And when you suddenly know something's wrong, that is the crack. That is what has to crack open in your thoughts. This this is your path to freedom. This is how you get out. The minute you know that something's wrong, that suddenly you know you can get help. To not have discernment for the fact you haven't been looking at the penalty flags that are laying all over the football field (laughs) when you haven't taken the warnings, but suddenly you know something's wrong. You don't go by your feelings. You've been going by your flesh, the carnality. You've had something happen that was very carnal between you. But yet, when I ask you, do you love her? No. No. Never is it said yes. It's no. It's a puddle of bitterness of the soul. At first, you've made an agreement to help them. You don't know you're deceived. And you have people that tell you the truth. You have people around you that need to help you that will tell you the truth to tell you you are deceived because you are so deceived you do not even realize that what you're doing is wrong. And it's the crack when you realize it's wrong is when you start getting well because at first you don't know it's wrong. Why do you not know it's wrong? Because you're deceived. The soul tie, you don't know it's wrong until... The crack takes place in there. And so with the renouncing is the repentance. Because you've lacked wisdom. Lady Wisdom was calling for you in the street, but you listened to the wrong voice. Ignorant. You can't just say, I was ignorant. You've got to say, I'm ignorant. Now I'm going to do something about it. And I'll tell you the sign you know you're getting better. You get so hungry for the word, you can't get enough. It's like you're consumed with getting the word in you. You'll have to get sermons. You will literally go crazy because you're filling up the void that the ignorance had left in you. Ignorance is what drove you there. Oh, and you'll start listening to your parents now and listening to people who really loves you. And there's one thing we haven't mentioned, God. Where is God in all this? He's waiting for you to come back to him. He's the father on the hill waiting for you to return. This is your journey out of Jezebel. Amen.